The superiority of Jesus Christ, living in the new covenant, the letter of Hebrews, that's where we are. And we're going to have a tremendous time going through the book of Hebrews together. I hope that you're reading through, uh, at your, whenever you can, read through the scriptures, read through this letter to the Hebrews. We gave an introduction last week, and today uh, there'll be a little tweaking in the, in the uh, keynote presentation from what you have written in your bulletin. So this was a test for you to see how well you follow along. I don't know about that, but we're in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 today. Jesus is superior to angels. Many people are fascinated by angels, and sometimes they get a little too fascinated, and sometimes they forget who Jesus is and focus on the angels. Uh, that was happening even in the first century in which this letter was written. Uh, you may have heard of some of the communities around uh, Jerusalem and outside of Jerusalem. Some people had drawn away from society and decided they were going to get away from everybody else and just focus on walking with God and serving God. And, and uh, the, I think the settlement with Essenes and the, those in Qumran, the Qumran community. You remember the, the story of the young fellow that was threw a rock in a cave and he heard a sound and he, he went into that cave and they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. So you remember that? Shake your head like this if you remember that. Yeah. Well, well the, some of the people that put those things in, in, the, in those caves were people, uh, some of them got away from God by focusing on angels. And so I believe that the writer of this letter, we're not sure who it was, we know by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote about Jesus' superiority to angels, and that's our focus today in this passage. And I hope that you uh, can take away from the things today in this passage some things that will help you in your life personally as we go through. Jesus has a more excellent name than the angels. I'm going back to verse 3, which we covered last week, but it ties into this week, so I wanted to bring us through. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has, an in, has inherited a more excellent name than they. So Jesus' name is above all names. In this case, above all angels. Now we're fascinated that there would be uh, beings that would be able to uh, be in this room and we not see them, be able to defeat whole armies as we read in the Old Testament. Uh, but these beings are below Christ. As a matter of fact, He's the one uh, is sovereign, as we saw last week. He's the radiance of His glory, the exact presentation, representation of His nature. Jesus is very God that took on human flesh. And we mentioned that last week. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is a Savior. It says, when He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And I talked about that last week, and you remember everything I said. I know you do. You've got it memorized. And so this was review, in case you missed it last week. But then here we focus today in verse 5 as we move from 4 to 5. For to which of the, for to which of the angels did He ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. To none of the angels did God the Father ever say, 
you are my son. They said, well, now what is that all about? And I don't really know fully what I'm talking about. I know a little bit. The little bit that I do know, I'll share with you. The rest of it, I'll just talk about and you'll listen. And that's this. I don't understand God. I'm, I kind of have a theolo uh, theology of a comedian I heard one time. Not that I ever listened to those. Uh, but a comedian I heard one time said, I don't want to worship a God that I understand. If I could understand God, I'd be equal with him. I want to worship a God I cannot comprehend, cannot understand. That gives God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, same in essence in nature, that the Son is the same as the Father in, in, in essence, and yet distinct and different. Interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. The thing that I can get a hold of and, and grab a hold of that helps me is this. When God the Son came and took on human flesh, God the Father say, could say, today I have begotten thee. Today I have begotten you, you are my son. And all the time Jesus was on earth, God the Father, God the Son was on the earth and the Holy Spirit of God was moving all over and, and to, to draw people to him. It's, it's very fascinating to think about what God is doing. But now the writer of Hebrews is focused on Jesus being superior to the angels. He is God, he's superior to the angels, and no angel was ever called by God, God's Son. And he uses these passages here, this is where these passages came from. Psalm 2 verse 7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And then in 2 Samuel 7 14, he was talking to the first David, you remember King David, well, first shepherd boy David, and then King David, he was talking to him, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. Now, he was talking uh, about David and, and yet he was talking about the second David. You remember sometimes when Jesus would go through different parts of, of uh, Galilee or Nazareth or in, in Jerusalem, wherever he was, and there would be a blind man or someone who was crippled, they would cry out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on him. Everybody knew who the son of David was, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, and Jesus was that one. And so that's this title. He's the son of God. Angels worship the son. Now this changed a little bit from your, uh, from your bulletin. That's my fault. I did, I did uh, not mean to mess you up. So, well, Pastor, I didn't even know it was in the bulletin. I just found out that you're talking about that. Yeah. I'm glad you caught up with us, you know. By the way, I'm Jeff Black, and I'm preaching. And, you know, just a good morning. Glad you made it. You know. So, angels worship the Son. When he began, uh, and when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. All the angels of God worship Jesus. That's interesting. Now, it was the angels that told the shepherd that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You remember that. That wasn't long ago we talked about that, right? Well, I want to show you something. For those of you who uh, spend a little time studying the Bible and want to figure out where that quote came from, this is Psalm 97, verse 7. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Now that's Psalm 97, verse 7. And that's where this quote came from. He said, wait a minute, that's not what it says. Aha. Uh -huh. 
Why does it say that and say something different? Why is it a little different? I'm glad you asked. And I've got it up here, and some of you say, I don't even know what LXX means. It means the Septuagint. Well, I don't know what the Septuagint means. You're in the right place. Just hold on. <laughs> the, Septuag the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. You with me on that? Good. And the Septuagint translates this passage, uh, worship him all you gods, that part, all you gods, translates it all you angels. And so that's where the writer of Hebrews gets that translation from the Septuagint. And it's everybody is to worship Jesus, including the angels, but that's where you get that. And so isn't that, isn't that fun? You having fun yet? Oh boy. Well, that is, that is kind of fun when you look back at how things, um, and through the original language, how things are translated, and you look at it and you say, this is powerful, this is amazing. Well, it, there's some more of that. Angels serve the Son. They worship the Son, they serve the Son. In verses 7 to 12, we see that. Um, and of the angels, he says, here we go again. We're going to have some more fun with the language. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, the first time I read that, I thought, he makes his angels winds? Okay, I'm trying to put it together, I'm trying to put it together. This is a word, the root from, the word from, when you get ruach, which is the word wind or spirit. Spirit. He makes the angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now that makes a little more sense, if that help you out. Winds and spirit, it's the same word. You translate it winds. Uh, and you can see how the angels, they can just take off and go anywhere very quickly. And so they're spirits. Uh, he who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. And you always see two things about angels. If you want to get fascinated by angels, remember that they are subservient to Jesus Christ. Jesus is superior to them and understand that they are servants. They worship Jesus and they serve Jesus and they're messengers and ministers. That's good for preachers, you know, it kind of alliterates the messengers and the ministers. Psalm 104 verse 4 says, He makes the winds, or the spirits, His messengers, flaming fire, His ministers. Now, if you'll look at throughout the Bible, when judgment falls, when judgment falls, God uses angels to deliver the judgment. Fiery judgment. So, well, Pastor, we, we prefer the soft stuff that doesn't make us uncomfortable. Let's not talk about judgment. We're trying to have a good Sunday here. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to, I don't care about your Sunday. I want you to have a great eternity. I want you to get all uncomfortable about judgment if you're not ready for it. And I want you to be ready for judgment so you don't have to experience it. So that's why we're going to talk about judgment. God judges. As I said, the Bible says the judgment of God or His wrath is upon the children of disobedience. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're condemned by God already. So, well, Pastor, I thought God loved me. Oh, yeah, He does. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you, 
to take your judgment. But if you'd rather take it yourself, all you have to do is reject Jesus Christ and say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus or God. I'm not that religious. I don't care about that. I'm only in church today because they made me come. This is the greatest existence you'll ever know. When you die and end up in hell, separated from God forever, that'll be your lot because you've rejected Jesus Christ. He's superior to the angels and he's superior to you. He's over all creation and he loved you so much he gave himself for you. But if you insist, you don't have to spend eternity with him. He'll let you spend eternity alone, separated from him forever, if that's your decision. Wow. Verse 8, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. So angels serve, as the, serve the Son as his lower companions. His companions, they, are, they serve him, they worship him, and Jesus Christ is God. He says, but of the Son is your throne, O God, is forever. This, this messes up a lot of folks. You know, um, I've had some conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses, and they, said, don't, they do not believe that Jesus is God. I don't know what they do with passages like this. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. What do you do with that? Well, I just believe it. That's what I do with it. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Righteousness is the kingdom's uh, banner. Jesus Christ is righteous and he hates lawlessness. So if you're a person who is lawless, that is you're violating the laws of God, and, and you're a lawless kind of person, then you are a person that is opposed to what Jesus is for. And that will last for a while in your life as you go through life. And some people go all the way through life to the very end and say, you know, okay, well, I'm just going to take my chances on what's going to happen when I die. And I didn't cause anyone's death. I just want to make that very clear. But I have seen a lot of people die. I just happened to be there when it happened. I mean, on their deathbed, dying, I just happened to see people breathe their last breath. The last words they said, I've just been there several times. And I guess God wanted me to do that so I could share it with you. But uh, it's unnerving sometimes, especially when someone is not ready. And you're sharing with them how to surrender to Jesus Christ, how to know him as Lord and Savior. And they said, Pastor, I believe all of that. I think, it's, yeah, I got it. But I just, I'm just not, don't want to talk about it anymore. One guy told me, uh, I still remember his name. And it won't matter if I say it. Hugo Brown. Hugo Brown. I remember the last conversation I had with Hugo. I was in his hospital room. And he, was, he was near death. And he, I said, you know, Hugo, you're going you're gonna to die. You're not going to leave this room. You're going to die right here. He said, I know it. And I've been sharing with him how to know Christ, how to, how, what Jesus had done for him. And he's, he said he believed all of that in his you know, up here, he believed it. I said, do you want to surrender your life to Christ? Do you want to pray right now and ask him to come into your life and forgive you and be your Lord and Savior? And he's, he said, you know, I said, I, I very much appreciate you coming by and visiting me, preacher. 
I don't want to talk about this anymore. I said, okay, well, so you know that's what I talk about. He said, well, you don't need to come see me anymore. You don't need to talk to me anymore. And I was standing at the door of that hospital room, and before I walked out of the door, I looked back at Hugo. Because he told me, he's told me this. He said, I want you to preach my funeral, but I don't want to talk about this anymore. I said, Mr. Hugo, I said, well, now I'll, I'll preach your funeral, but I cannot tell people that you went to heaven because you're not going to heaven. He said, do whatever you need to do. Just don't talk to me anymore. That's a powerful moment in my life. I thought, what is going on? I used to think old people, when they were ready to die, they were more afraid of death. I found out the opposite. They're used to it. They're, oh, yeah, I got friends that die all the time. Some of you, like, all my friends are dead, and I'm the last one. What am I going to do? Well, you're you're going to die. That's what you're going to do. You're next. But you want to be ready. You want to be ready. We've even got some people uh, that say, I don't even know why I'm still here. I've been around so long, I don't know why I'm still here. I said, maybe so you can meet me and we can have a conversation and I could learn some things from you. I don't know. But they're ready. But they're ready. Oh, my. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you. Psalm 45, verses 6 through 7 is where this came from. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows, above your companions, fellows, the same, same word, same concept. You see how many times this writer in Hebrews quotes the Old Testament passages? This, this Sunday is full, it's just full of quotes from the Old Testament. It's beautiful. Verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 1. And you, all, uh, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all become old like a garment, and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. I know they've been talking about how we're going to destroy this earth and how we're going to tear it all to pieces and climate change and all the stuff. I don't care about that. And I care about the clean water and breathing clean air and having food, and I care about the planet being... But I know the truth. One day, God's just going to roll it up, and you're going to throw it away. But we just took real good care of it. What are you doing? I want to remind you, it's mine. She get up every morning and say, thank you, Lord, for letting me live on your earth, breathe your air, eat your food. Thank you for letting me be here, Lord. It's all yours. And when he's done with it, he's just going to roll it up and going to replace it. Talk about global warming and, and all of well, I know they quit talking about global warming. I'm sorry. Climate change. And then now they're going to start talking about global cooling. For it's over with, because that's the cycle. Do you remember? It was oh, it's gonna if we're gonna freeze to death, it's gonna freeze to death, and freeze to death. No, they're gonna burn to death, gonna burn to death, gonna burn to death. Well, they got the death part right. We're all gonna die. But they didn't get the whole this other stuff right. I'll just tell you what's gonna happen. Second Peter chapter three: the whole earth is just gonna burn. Read it. 
It's reserved for fire. So, pastor, what's going on? Eternity is what's going on. It is not about here. It's not about now. It's about there and it's about then. Are you ready for that? Well, we're trying to get you ready best we know how. Cooperate, please. It's like you have to chase somebody down and tackle them and say, well, come to Jesus. And you should be running after me saying, please tell me how to come to Jesus. I don't know how it's working, how it's working, but this is the way it's going to happen. God will never end, but this old world's going to change. God's going to change. He's going to give us a new one, a better one. I'm looking forward to that. I've got reservations. Whoo, don't get me going. Psalm 102 is where this came. You of old, you, let me start over. Of old you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end. You know, though, the greatest things I know about God from God's word, the thing that gives me the greatest security and comfort, it, he never changes. Never changes. He loves me more than I could possibly fathom, and it never changes. I don't always feel like it, but it does not change. He can't love me more than he does. He won't love me any less than he does. He doesn't change. You won't get to heaven and God says, yeah, I've changed the rules. You can't, you can't come in. You can't come in. No. When I close my eyes in death and open my eyes in the presence of God, he's going to say, welcome. Been expecting you. Had your number up, and you're here. Oh, you know, um, I've attended a few funerals in my time. And some of the funerals that I've attended, I just got kind of giddy about it. Kind of envious, like, oh, it's not my turn yet. Just thought, hey, let's just move right into heaven. Because when you look at what the Bible says about what happens to the believer when he, he or she leaves this world, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. I'll tell you. It's something to look forward to. You say, Pastor, you're, you're going off now. You're about to leave this world here. Just for a minute, let's do it. Let's just kind of leave this world and think about it. Angels, this is the last thing. This is fascinating. Angels are lower than Christ. He's the creator of them. Angels worship Jesus. Angels are his lower companions. Angels are the ones that he uses to, to pronounce judgment and deliver judgment on the earth. Boy, that's terrible. But this is something fascinating. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That's from Psalm 2. Psalm 2, that's a great psalm. You ought to read that one before you go to bed tonight. Sit at my right hand. You know Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose from the dead. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Sit here at my right hand until, and this is what God's doing, I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Who are the enemies of Christ? Well, they're everywhere, <laughs> all over the place. 
Every person that hates Jesus, every person that's opposed to Jesus, every you're an enemy of Christ, you're going to be in the footstool of Jesus. That's what God's up to. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That's Psalm 110, verse 1. I, I said it was Psalm 2. But you should read Psalm 2 before you go to bed tonight. Because it talks about the same thing. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? <laughs> they work for us. Maybe better to say they work on our behalf. We don't tell them what to do. Jesus tells them what to do and they do for us. For us. What? Now every, you know, do you have a guardian angel? Do you have an angel watching over you? I've seen some of you drive. I know there's one. <laughs> I've, I've been fascinated. I, you know, I've seen the speedway and, I, you know, I've seen, I even had a guy tell me, uh, Yesterday, the day before, he said, you know, around here, you can drive as fast as you want to. They won't stop you. And I said, what, what, what are you saying? I hope they stop you. I've met people. Man, it's just fun to watch. But it's scary. But I'm convinced you're not going until it's your time. And, and all the things, I, I, I'm very secure in all of that. I'm not concerned about what, somebody going to run over me and run me off the road. I don't worry about that kind of thing. But I'll tell you. This fascinates me that God has his angels ministering to us until he takes us home. And the last thing they do for us is when you close your eyes in death, they carry you into the presence of God. What an escort! I attended a funeral. A man that died, and I knew him, and they contacted me and said, we, he wanted you to do his funeral, and I said, I'll be glad to do that. Nobody came. I was there. One of the other pastors on staff was there. Funeral directors, the grave diggers. It was such that nobody was there but us. It was kind of sad. It was sad enough that the, even the grave diggers kind of joined us to make it look like we had some people. But I want to tell you what happened to that man. He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior before he died. Now what you saw, nobody came to the funeral. I beg your pardon. They escorted that man into the presence of God. If you could have seen what was going on when he died, you would have said, what a funeral that is. So understand, it's not what you see. It's not what you think is going on. It's what's really going on that matters. On the other hand, I've been to funerals where I thought, well, somebody real important died here. I've never seen so many people, never heard so many great things said about somebody, and that somebody didn't know Jesus at all. Give me the first funeral over the second funeral any day. God sends his angels to help us out. Boy, don't we need it. Oh, boy, don't we need it. We need help all the time, and he gives us his help. I've been working on being a pastor here, trying to do what I'm supposed to do. I know what to do as a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time, but not here. 
And I've been trying to get used to you, and you've been trying to get used to me, and I think we're headed in that direction. But one of the things that I've tried to figure out the best way to do things is when you have received Christ into your life, and you want to make that public, and you want to become part of the church, or if you want to join this church, I haven't tried to figure out the best way to do that. And I, I figured out something about it that I think maybe will help. And that's this. I've been a Southern Baptist all my Christian life, so I know what that's about. And I'm comfortable with that. I like being a Southern Baptist because we believe the Bible. So, not all of them do, but we're trying to fix them. I'm just as happy and excited to be a Southern Baptist pastor as I could ever be because I can preach the Bible just like it is and nobody tells me not to. We're independent. We affiliate with all the other Southern Baptist churches who are independent, so we're not a denomination. We're a conference, a convention of churches. Nobody tells Five Forks what to do but Jesus. And that's why all the Southern Baptist churches. So I'm happy about this. So I wanted to explain what it means to join the church before you join. So I, instead of inviting you to come join the church, I've been inviting people to come talk to me. And we talk about joining the church, and then we could come and present you to the church. So that's what I want. So people say, what's going on in that church? What's happening? Let me tell you what's happening. If you have a mind to join this church, and I highly recommend it, I go here myself. Join this church by profession of faith and baptism. That is, I've surrendered my life to Christ, and I've never been baptized. And Jesus commanded us to be baptized, and I'm going to do that. How do I do that? It's when you come, you come forward and you say, oh, well, that's what I want to do. I'll set up a time to talk to you about what this church is about, what we believe, all kinds of things, and then... We'll set up a time for you to be baptized and join the church. Or you can join by letter from a sister church, another Southern Baptist church. And they, they give you the letter. It's called a, giving a letter. That is, they promise that they are, you're a member in good standing there, and you can, they join here, and we'll just accept you by letter. You can join by letter. But I want to talk to you ahead of time so you'll know what this church is about before you do that. And then we'll present you later to join by letter. And then you can join by statement of faith. That is, you're a member, you've been a member of a church that believes like we do. We say of like faith and order. Believe like we do, but not a Southern Baptist necessarily, but to like faith and order. We can join. Those are the three ways you join a church. Right here. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. I want to tell you. That during the invitation time today, I want to invite you to come to Christ. If you've never surrendered to Christ, that's the main thing. All of heaven and earth moves you to Jesus. That's what we want. But during this invitation time, we have some folks who have said, yes, I want to join Five Forks, and they have talked to me, or talked to Pastor Matt, or talked to Jordan, and they want to come forward and say, yes, I'm ready, and we're going to present them in just a little bit. But I want us to stand together, and during this invitation time, if those folks would come forward, and then you come forward, and we'll talk about how to become a part of Five Forks, my favorite church. <laughs> so you come as God would lead you.